Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Uh, this know. is the platform we use as well. So what is up, besties? I am here with uh, the friends today. We're here with Danny J. And uh, who else are you here with? What's up? <laughs> who that? Who that guy? What's up, everybody? It's uh, Jade. How's it going? It's Dr. Jade. And, um, Dr. Jade Tita. Do- yeah, um, <laughs> so we actually wanted to just jump on and have a discussion. So maybe do you want to say, Jade, like sort of what about that episode um, or like why we even are having this sort of discussion today? It's not going to be like a massive interview. We're going to publish this on The Best Life as well as your podcast. Mm-hmm. But what about the recent episode? And obviously this is, you know, we want to have this conversation anyway. But we did do a recent episode with Emily Goff, who is a date and I guess relationship coach. And if you guys have not listened to that episode, make sure you go back and listen to the best life episode. It's uh, over the last couple of weeks. And she talks a lot about just the men that she works with. And we don't, Danny and I both work with primarily women, especially in business and things like that. So, um, but you got a little bit of a reaction listening to that episode because you and Emily are actually writing a book together on relationships, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. So we definitely want to talk more about that. But tell me a little bit about listening to that episode, sort of what came up for you. And I just wanted, I think this is going to be a good discussion because we just, Danny and I want to know what's up with the fucking dudes. That's our big thing. We want to mm-hmm. know what's up with these guys and like how, you know, what the deal is, what's happening. Well, not to throw Danny under the bus, <laughs> but like, so Danny, I, first of all, I love the conversation and I always love what you two uh, do. And it was interesting for me because honestly, uh, you three are like three of my best girlfriends in the world. You and Danny and Emily, you know, other than my mother and, you know, my sister. I mean, you are my favorite girls, right? And so I obviously Jill sent me a text message, said, hey, we had Emily on, listen to it. And I'm listening and Danny says something that, and I know she doesn't actually feel this way, so, but I'll tell you what she said. But she goes, uh, in, in Danny's sort of humorous, sarcastic way, she goes, I hate men, you know, and uh, I... <laughs> They're the cause of all the problems. And of course, yeah. I know Danny J, so I know that she actually <laughs> loves men and doesn't actually hate men. It was a very sarcastic, playful thing that she was saying, but it also was filled with a lot of, I could tell from Danny, a lot of confusion and a lot of, uh, like, you know, just frustration. And I knew there was a lot wrapped up in that. And then I'm thinking as she said that, and I was just like, damn, man, I have a problem with a lot of men too. Like I just really, so I shot, I got on text and texted Jill and said, I just listened to your, you know, your guys' podcast, loved it. And like, honestly, what Danny J said, like honestly got me thinking the exact same thing. And so then you guys were like, let's get on and, and talk about it. And so I know maybe you want us to talk about, cause I feel bad throwing you under the bus. Danny well, <laughs> no, I didn't say I hate men. I said, I don't understand why I should care. And I said, I did say men are the cause of all the problems. Cause Emily starts saying, well, being a man is the number one cause of death or something like that. And I was going, yeah, because the motherfuckers are killing each other. And they're also killing everyone because we've had so many shootings in the United States, right? And 
100% of the shootings have been due to men. Now, if every shooting was women, we would be saying shit about that. If every shooting was, I don't know, Hispanic men or like some other gender or some other race or some specific thing, we would be saying something. And like the fact that it's been 100% men until recently, I think there was very recently a shooting that was a woman who identified as a trans man. Mm -hmm. So she's still a fucking mm -hmm. man. So there we go. Like the, the percentage, but it's like, it's been all men. So mm. when she's saying being a man is like your higher suicide rate and higher murder, I'm like, yeah, but you guys are doing it. So why should I care, you know, about this? Cause y'all are causing the problems. And that was where my like frustration came from. Um, and I, I did say like, I love men, but it's also like, y'all are causing the problems. Y'all need to fix it up. Like, why is this my problem? Because yeah. I'm not out there shooting. Women aren't out there shooting each other. Women aren't causing violence. I mean, look at the jails and, and everything. It's like, yeah, you're more likely to go to jail if you're a man, but because the men are doing the fucking shit. <laughs> so, and I don't know what the solution is. It's funny because we actually had, and I don't know if you listened to this episode, Jade, but right before Kelly or right before Emily, we had an episode with this woman, Kelly, who also is a relationship coach. And I said, what do men need? And she goes, men need men. And Emily also said, men need men. Like she, she said that women can't be that for men. And so I'm sitting here going, where were all the men that the men need? And this is really like, the come down to like calm ourselves down and not be triggered conversation is let's have the real conversation of where are the men that need to be there for the men and and where are the men who are like calling out these men that are misbehaving that's really what i think we need to talk about yeah well i don't know that i'm gonna be too much help here because honestly <laughs> when i like honestly when i hear men need men like if for from my perspective i'm just like really cuz the men that are leading the conversations from my perspective, are not necessarily uh, men that I would want leading men personally. Mm. Um, and so to me, I go, that scares me a little bit because it's not that I disagree. It's just that the men who are leading the men, and these aren't terrible men, it's just that to me, they're operating from uh, an old male narrative that I think does not translate in the modern day. And this is why men are struggling with mental health. And this is why we have all these problems. And I'll just be specific, then I'll throw it to you, Jill. But here, and, and by the way, so Jordan Peterson, number one, right? He's not someone I dislike. As a matter of fact, I listen to a lot of his stuff and find him someone who is very important to listen to. But I'm a little concerned when someone like him, you know, says some of the things he says, like, for example, I'll, I'll throw out something that I know a lot of men like, and I guess you men are going to hate me for this because I don't. Um, but the, here's a popular Jordan Peterson saying that you'll hear all over the place. And it goes like this. It goes, um, be a monster is what it says. And it, it, he basically says a harmless man is not a good man. A good man is a dangerous man that has that under control. And for me, I go, no, a good man is a good man, whether they're harmless or dangerous, has nothing to do with it. And what we're really talking about there is a courageous man. You can take, you know, somebody who's physically, I guess, weak, uh, you know, um, and, you know, maybe it doesn't matter. And they're sitting in the back of the room and someone comes in with a gun and they're the courageous ones that step up to me. That's the best man. That's the best human, whether male or female. And to me, they don't have to be dangerous. They just have to have strength, conviction and courage. Right. Like to, you know, uh, to rise up to the occasion. Then we have other people that, you know, a lot of men, you know, listen to uh, what's his name that was just caught in Bulgaria or something. I forget. His Andrew, name. Andrew Tate. Tate. Yeah. Andrew Tate's another one that a lot of men listen to. And I just go, 
honestly, if these are the male leaders, um, then I'm a little bit afraid if men need men and these are the leaders of the conversations that is trickling down to Mm -hmm. these male groups and stuff like that. And I'm sorry, this might be an unpopular, you know, sort of point of view, but this is the way I see it. And I'm not saying these people are all bad, right? I'm just saying that it's troubling to me that there's still a uh, combative uh, um, way, a narrative that men have. It's about competition. It's about be better. It's about power. It's about popularity. I don't hear them really talking too much about purpose. Jordan Peterson does. I just think that, and that's why I love Jordan Peterson because he does talk a lot about purpose. I just think he also gets lost in the weeds with power and popularity. And one more thing then I want to see what you think, Jill, but I, I also think that that's the problem. Like if I really get down to it, I go, men are confused. What they really want is purpose. What all humans want is purpose. And they're they are outsourcing that or trying to find that through power and popularity. And those two things can never substitute for purpose. They can only ever be in support of purpose. And I think that's what men are missing. And I know that's going to be unpopular for a lot of men. Cause I just called out, you know, two leader, you know, two quote leaders who I just think are saying the wrong thing. Well, it's hard because I mean, I think this is where the question that Danny and I have around who is like, when we talk about mental health, right, this is obviously a big uh, piece of Danny's brand as well. You know, we see these shootings, we see these men operating from like just these ego places and whatever. It's like, that's part of, I think maybe being a man, but like also that's, that's what they say. Oh, he's, you know, his, he's not well, he's, it's a mental health issue, but how do you reach someone like for women? And this is obviously both of these are generalizations, but for women, if we're going through something, we cry to our girlfriends, we process it, we fucking journal, we watch Ted talks. Like, and I do think that that's a sort of feminine way of dealing with it, but men need some way to process the things in their life that are troubling to them. And so how does someone reach a man who needs to do men's work but reach it in a way that's healthy. And Danny and I had this conversation before we even got on uh, today. We were talking about this weeks ago and we were saying that, you know, the fact that you are out there, I feel like a lot of men, you connect with a lot of men, you do both really well, which is you, uh, because there are a lot of male leaders who I also feel like, like my boyfriend is very much like a, a dude's dude, right? He's not going to go and, you know, journal at like a, you know, three day event, right? He's just not going to do that. But like, so how do you reach the men who like just don't want to do that? They want to play sports. They want to drink beers with their buddy, but they have so much stuff inside that's making them dysfunctional in life. How do you reach that person? You want to take a stab at that, Danny J, and I'll go after you? <laughs> well, I have no idea how you reach. I mean, this is like the question for the men. This is a question for the men because it's like it seems like it's on one – like you either have these these Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate types that are very much about like, you know, uh, competition and like you said, this sort of like, you know, whatever you said, popularity and um, – what was the other word you used? Power. 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 Or you have these men that I consider to be like, I don't know I say like feminine, but more like feminine men that want to do like a drum circle and, you know, and like want to do ayahuasca and like all of these kind of, which is fine. You know, all that stuff is fine. And we, we certainly dipped into them, some of that stuff, but I feel like a lot of men sort of in the middle and they're like, they don't have anywhere to go. They don't really want, they don't gravitate towards like an Andrew Tate, but they also don't want to go and like do a drum circle. So how do you reach that person? That's me. 
yeah, that's yeah. me. And, and, and I think real quick, Jade, before you say, because I, I think that the reason why this is a question for you is that I feel like women could say this, but we're not being heard by men. I think when I follow a lot of women, they're like, men need to do this. Men and need all to be the girls in, their in the comments are talking like, and, get up. Well, all the girls in the comments are agreeing, but there's no men in the comments agreeing. So it's like the, I feel like the guys have to hear it from the guys. And so back to men need to hear it from men. The ones out there aren't doing it, but who's going to, or how are we going to get it out there? Well, first of all, now the women are going to hate me because I'm going to say something <laughs> about that first about, I don't, I think women have men all wrong. I think these women, and this is going to get a lot of women mad at me, but I think these women who are saying men need to be all in their feelings. I think that's bullshit. I think what, what men need and what you have to understand is that here's, here's from my perspective, and this is based on my experience as a man. This is based on working with men and this is based on the limited research that you can parse apart in this area. Ultimately, um, we all have, we're humans first, right? So I'll just go through this. We're, we all have certain needs, men and women, safety and security, acceptance and belonging. These are key. And they are, a lot of it happens in childhood and childhood development. Certainly the safety and security needs are uh, programmed at that point. If you don't have a good upbringing, available parents, uh, emotionally available parents, you're going to have some safety and security struggles as an adult, whether you're a male or a female. Uh, certainly in our teenage years, this is where we start getting into the acceptance and belonging. And if you struggle in high school and things like that, you're also going to sort of run into some issues. Now, here's where I think um, men, uh, women can understand some of what goes on with men. Uh, men for whatever reason. And I, th I think part of this is cultural, but I also think part of it is just in our DNA. And I can't give you an evidence-based, uh, view on that. This is mostly just sort of me making an educated guess about this. Men need to feel like they are winning at something. Okay. So, so this is the first thing they need to feel like they are winning, that they are providing that they are safe and secure so that they can make someone else safe and secure so that they are accepted and belong so they can make someone else feel accepted and um, belonging. And so I think this is the first place where it begins to come from. So now you have men walking around who don't feel safe and secure, don't feel like they've been accepted or don't feel like they belong. They're like these, you know, lonely lions walking the fields of Africa looking for a tribe. And a lot of people who do that go into very destructive behaviors. Mm -hmm. This is where they will start chasing power. I'm going to control. I'm, I'm, I don't have safety and security. Therefore, fear dominates me. Therefore, I will seek power because if I have power, I will begin to uh, you know, exert control over the world. This is what you see with a lot of men. The other part of that is I don't have acceptance and belonging. Therefore, I will chase popularity. Therefore, I will lose myself in the process. And so men are balancing this, this piece. And here's where I think the problem is. I'll, I'll say one thing, and then I'll say something about what I think women get wrong with men's emotions. To me, the problem is simply this, that, and this goes to male and female. Ultimately, each man, each woman feels these needs for safety, security, acceptance, and belonging. And we all feel we are all unique and we want to do something to matter and make a difference in the world. Now, what happens is if we chase power and popularity, what we are doing is we are looking to culture to tell us how to matter and make a difference. And therefore we start seeking cars and sex and drugs and you know all the things that we think are gonna make us powerful and popular. And then what happens is we sacrifice our spirit as a result of that. And then as a result of that, we have mental illness and all kinds of dysfunctions. 
to me, and this goes to what I said about women getting men wrong about their emotions, a man who's in his purpose, right, and who is providing safety and security, regardless of his own safety and security needs, who is making people feel accepted and belong, regardless of whether he feels like he's accepted or belongs, that man is basically, uh, he is a warrior in a sense. And any man I think you talk to will, will, uh, will resonate with this concept of the warrior. I do want to step up and protect. I do want to I, I do want to step up and protect or and if you can't do that, then they're going to step up and destroy. Mm-hmm. And by the way, when you're protecting and here's what I think women get wrong. Um, and, and the way you can look at this, just look at the stereotypical GI or warrior or any 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 man who's in a battle. There is emotions, cloud judgment, emotions, cloud logic. A, a man who's going to battle, the last thing he's going to do is cry in battle because he can't defend and fight. Now, the, the right time to do that is to cry after battle. And so this idea of men being in their emotions, I even think this is true for women, by the way. So I'm not saying I go, what we need is we need emotional. um, We need to stop being emotionally volatile. We need to be emotionally available. We need to be uh, emotionally controlled and we need to be uh, able to emotionally alchemize, you know, things and be emotionally appropriate. So a man, for example, needs to be able to use anger when it's appropriate, turning into motivation, uh, use sadness uh, when it's appropriate and turn it into anger and then turn that into motivation and then express sadness when they need to feel sad. What they don't need to do is gush their emotions constantly because they're trying to figure out their place in the world in general, in culture and Men are not going to respect a man who's gushing and gooey and constantly expressing their feelings. And by the way, I'm going to say this right now, and women can get mad at me all they want. I don't think most women want that. I, I'll give you one thing, then I'll shut up. But I, I was at this, uh, I told both of you this, but I'll tell it for the listeners. You both know the story. I was, this is about four or five years back. I was at a, uh, one of these conferences with all these entrepreneurs, and I was surrounded by a bunch of women. And one of the women looked at me and said, oh, my God, Jade, you, you, know, you work with a ton of women, women and this and that. And you know, we were having this discussion. How often do you cry? And I said, me cry? I said, not, not really ever. I probably haven't cried since, you know, I was in, you know, high school, you know, um, I I don't cry. And then she looked at me with this, you know, look of judgment and disgust on her face and goes, and all of them did. And they basically go, oh my God, I thought you were such a, you know, evolved man. I can't believe that. And, you know, of course me, I understood what was going on, but I just said, okay, well, let me ask you guys a question. And this wasn't like me being rude or anything. I was, you know, I was just like, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have a guy who every week comes home and cries or a guy who doesn't cry home cry at all? And at that point, they all were like, oh, um, and I think only one of them said, you know, I would want someone to cries every week versus not at all. And I think this is the problem. And men know this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, th- and that's such a great, and yes. And that's also the second part of this, which is how does a woman in relationship, because we were talking about with Emily and also what we talked about with Kelly, who we had on a couple weeks ago, how does then a woman interact with a man to not emasculate him, but then also what Danny and I were sort of saying when we're like, they're the problem is that we understand that men in general want to provide and they want to step up and they want to prove themselves. But we have had experiences where men don't do that. So then you go, well, I guess I'm going to be having to be the one who does pick up the slack. I'm the one who has to hold it down. I'm the one who has to step up. And then it becomes this weird, what Kelly was talking about. She talks about like polarization. 
this idea that like then now all of a sudden this man's going to feel emasculated because the woman does sort of step up and starts providing and starts – I think there's this um, – I think I shared this with you, Jade, but – we were saying this, I think it was on Tom Bilyeu's uh, account a couple weeks ago. Basically, he was saying that like in relationships where women make more money than the man, like 50% of those men are on ED meds. So it's like this idea, it just feels like lately there's been a lot of, I don't want to say like like hating around women, but it's like women are the cause of the problems. The The population is going down. They're emasculating men. They're, you know... Um, they're not letting men provide. And then Danny and I, to our point, we're like, but also the, the men in our experience, some of them haven't provided. So then what are we supposed to do? Like we got to hold it down. Danny talks a lot about, you know, she grew up in a religion where the women didn't work and they supported the husbands to go through school and to get these jobs and have all these kids. And then they get a divorce and the woman has nothing because she didn't take care of home base, right? So it's this balance of like wanting to show up as this like powerful independent woman and hold it down, but I also don't want to emasculate my partner, but he's not stepping up. So where does that leave a woman? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. And, and here's ultimately what it comes down to. To me, I go, I think we make a mistake separating masculine and feminine in this regard. We are humans. And so here's what a guy really wants, what a man really wants. So um, I know I know Jill's guy Keith, right? He's a, he's an amazing uh, first responder. He's a firefighter. He does. Now here's here's here, the reason I bring him up is because a lot of people might look at that field and they go, you know, entrepreneur types may, might be like they don't make any money, right, or whatever. Other types might be like they're badasses because they take care of us. Now take a mechanic. Some people may be like they don't make any money, you know, whatever. But that mechanic might love what he does, and so a man needs to be loved and supported and encouraged to do what he loves. Because remember what we just talked about. He, he's, he's fighting, I need, to, I need to be powerful and I need to be popular. When what he really wants is he just wants to do what the fuck he loves. And he wants his girl to be like, baby, whatever you want to do, I support you in your dreams. And guess what? That's exactly what a woman wants from a man. And so these conversations about you know polarization and masculine, feminine, sure, they're fun to have. But in the end, we are each humans and we want the same thing. Now, you tell me a woman who doesn't want her man to be like, baby, I got you. Go do your thing. Your dreams are my dreams. Men want the same thing. Baby, I got you. Go do what you love. Your dreams are my dreams. That's the problem, because what are you trying to do? Make him an entrepreneur because you're an entrepreneur? What if he doesn't want to do that? What if he wants to dig ditches and build Why houses? don't people support yeah. their partners in that way? Because I could see someone listening to this conversation and being like, and Dan, I've had this conversation as well, where as soon as a woman does start becoming more successful and following her dreams and having wins, sometimes, and I have a lot of clients like this, the the men and the partner, the, the male partner can't handle it. They get they start to get jealous. They start to feel some kind of way. And they don't say, I support you in your dreams. Like, I, I agree with you. We both want, we always want, like, we both want that from our partner, right? And I think that the some of the women are not maybe encouraging their partners to do what they love. And I think we are sometimes seeing a, a man in partnership start to feel threatened when his woman starts following her dreams yeah. and having success or whatever that looks like. And it comes back to me, it's very simple psychology. It comes back again that we're, but we're all living in culture level thought processes, right? It's mm -hmm. just like, we, we don't want to see, we're like, well, my, if my woman is making more money than me, how does that make me look in culture's right. eyes, right. right? If my man is just digging ditches, how does that make me look in culture's eyes? And I just go, 
guess what, people? Like, honestly, if you want to know where the mental crisis is and you want to know why we're all struggling, it's because that's what we're doing. We're looking at our lives and our partner's lives through the lens of what culture thinks. Instead of going, what does this person love? What does they want? What do they want to do? What are they meant to do? What lights their heart on fire? And I don't give a shit what culture says about that. That is the problem. And any man who's not supporting their woman in what she wants to do and looking at it through culture's eyes is a shitty man. And any woman who's looking at uh, their man in the same way is a shitty woman. That, that's the way I look at it. And it's just human dynamics. So like bringing this back to culture, I actually feel like a lot of this could be more of a cultural problem. And I don't know how it is. I mean, speaking of shooting and all that, that seems to be a very heavy US-based issue, not in a lot of other countries. And I do think it has to do with a lot of our um, how we bring up our children, how we bring up our boys, how we bring up the girls, and how we look at power and what we want and how our celebrities are. And so as a thought experiment, and this is just something interesting, it made me think of the Ruth Bader Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote, somebody asked how many, uh, like how many female justices should there be? And she said, like, what would be the ideal number? And she said, when there are nine. And she said, people are shocked, but there's been nine men and no one's ever raised a question. So my thought is, because our leadership is so heavily men, and I don't even, like, when I say leadership, I mean our government and, quite honestly, like CEOs and people who are run companies. But had that switched to all women, how would our world look different? And I'm very just curious, and this is just like a thought experiment of would that be a thing? And it's interesting when, when she said that, I remember thinking when she said all nine, I was like, damn, okay. But then I'm going, yeah, it's always been all men. So why would it be weird if it was all women? What about having a female president? In seventh grade, I had this kid I used to talk to. I had a crush on him and he was, obviously he must've been getting this from his parents, but he was like, we can never have a woman president because one day she'll have her period and then the whole world will blow up. And I was like, first off, what do you know about periods? You're like 12 and I'm 12. But I'm looking at the last few years with Trump and like, let's talk about emotional reactions, whether you like him or not. I mean, this dude's as emotional as any woman on her period. So I'm just thinking maybe, do you think, I don't know, just as like a thought experiment, that if we shifted our leadership to more, toward more women, if that would make a difference in our world? Uh, no, but here's why. And it's, and, mm. and it's because it's because of our current culture, because here's, mm -hmm. so if, if we go back to um, women who weren't trying to be men, and this is mm. again, going to get women hating me. Um, but if we go back to women being women, right. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying women, this, by the way, I'm, I'm a feminist. I don't mean women being women like women giving, you know, being, you know, like the 1950s, being in the house and, you know, having children and not being in business. I mean, women being feminine, right, versus masculine. And when we talk about masculine and feminine, we talk about archetypes. I'm not talking about female, male sex. I'm talking about the archetype. So what is the feminine dynamic? Integrative, holistic, inclusive, right? This is, the, this is sort of flowy artistic, um, you know, uh, sort of a broad thinking, right? The, the men, men are very rigid, very logical, very, you know, single focused, right? So these are archetypes. And so here's what I think is happening. What we need is more of the female, the feminine dynamic everywhere. Here's what I think the problem is. So yes, if we're talking about those women, hell yeah, I think the world would look way better. I'm like, get all nine justices being women, dominate Congress with women like that. The problem though for me is, and this is, I think a lot of women are getting mad at me. I just had this conversation with a very 
a prominent side D who I've had on my, I don't know if you guys have met her, um, Erica Cherwinski, who's done this work for a long time. I basically was like, here's to me the problem. We've got masculine, you know, toxic masculinity. I know that's a phrase that a lot of people won't like. I'm sorry. I like it. I'm a dude. Uh, you know, to me, I think it's accurate. And I also think what has happened is that same masculine toxicity is being perpetrated by women. In other words, what women have done, in my opinion, and I think it's, you know, I think it's horrible because to me, I go, what they've done is they said, okay, men have, you know, kind of been spewing this toxic masculinity. So we'll just become, you know, uh, females who are going to do use the same thing. In other words, it's like now I'm going to be, I'm going to chase power. And I'm going to chase popularity and I'm going to do these things, which is the things that got us in the problem in the first place. Women, in my mind, are more, you know, purpose oriented by nature in a sense. We all are men and women. But to me, I think there are now uh, feminine looking people, main females, you know, talking sex that are now just using the same toxic masculinity. In other words, they're fighting fire with fire. What we need is we need the balance of feminine and masculine within ourselves and within our culture. What we don't need is women becoming ma toxic masculine. And that to me is a lot of what's happening. In other words, they, they rightly see that there's a problem with the way men have been doing things. And so they go, well, they'll go, well, we'll fight men on, you know, by being as toxic and masculine as them. As soon as you say men are the problem, right? Or men can't do this, or men are the weaker sex or any of this, you're doing exactly what men were doing to women for generations and generations. And that's fighting fire with fire. And that's toxic masculinity. And it's coming from women. Yeah. I agree with you so much on that. I, But I think that we, as women, have been put in the position that the only way anyone will listen to us is to speak Louder. like a man to men. Yes. So it's it's almost like we're in this dynamic that we can't get out of, like this abusive relationship cycle. And it's like, how do we get out? But I agree. I think yeah. if we could be that feminine essence in leadership versus feminine or females being the same as the men, it's it is, it, I don't but, know, it's just very here's, interesting. Here's the thing, and I'm curious what you do think about this. We're, I think we miss the point. I really do think we miss the point when we make it about masculine, feminine, and we make it about male, female. What I'm really saying, and you know, those of you who I'm triggering, I apologize, and just please take a step back and just listen to what I'm really saying. What I'm really saying is this, that the masculine, feminine dynamic needs to be balanced in men, and the masculine female dynamic needs to be balanced in women within ourselves. Those are the best leaders. The best leaders are the ones who have balanced masculine and feminine energies within themselves, whether they're male or female. The, those are the most charismatic people. Those are the people who are most emotionally intelligent. Those are the people who, in my mind, are the best leaders. And so from my perspective, I agree with you 100%, Danny J, that men, uh, you know, men may not be listening to women unless they're talking on their level. And still I go, it's still the wrong approach. What we need is women who are wanting to balance masculine and feminine, not abandoning their feminine. And we need men who are not so anchored in their masculine that they can't get feminine at all. This to me is a silly thing that we talk about. We are humans before we are genders. And to me, I go, we need to get back to being human. Those two energies need to be balanced within ourselves. And then we will have uh, individuals who are, are uh, you know, showing up in the world, uh, doing their purpose because they are aligned in those energetics. And I think that's what it's about. So I don't know what you two think about that, but I think that's the issue. That's how you solve it. Well, 
I agree, but I also want to say, and I could just hear some women saying this, that's easy for you to say, but you haven't been oppressed for thousands of years. Women just got the right to vote. Women just were able to get credit cards like 40 years ago. So while I think that's a beautiful idea, I feel like some women could just come back with anger of like, yes, but. Yeah, they (laughs) can. But we haven't been able to do any of that. So it's almost like the pendulum has to go way to the other side. Well, also look Uh at someone like it look at someone like a Hillary Clinton, right? Like she got the furthest of like any sort of female politician has ever gotten. She ran for president and she had like a, she had to present very masculine in order to be taken seriously because, and you guys maybe can weigh in on this. I feel like maybe if she had presented more feminine, she either wouldn't have been taken seriously or she would have been made into a sex symbol. And so what do you do with something like that where especially you have a society where, and we're obviously not going to solve this today, where men are revered for their success and power and women are revered for their looks and their attractiveness, right? And they're only taken seriously or respected if they have those things. And obviously it's a gross generalization. So then I agree. I actually agree with you also. I just feel like we haven't seen that and we don't, and how could a woman who is like in, who is embodying her feminine, but also still is able to show up in those ways that the the government requires or whatever. Like, how would that even look? You know, we just haven't seen that yet. I'm trying to think of the people that we know. It's like, a, you know, you have a Hillary Clinton is the only person I can think of, and she. And then you have a lot of people saying, well, she's not attractive. And it's like, it just comes down to like some of these weird cultural things that we see. And I, I think to your point, you're saying, let's get above the sort of cultural level. But so many, the majority of people are still there. Yeah, and and here's here's what I would would say to that. Number one, I um I actually go and I agree with you both with this. By the way, right? Like you know what you're saying about like so women, the the pendulum does swing, and we have to look at this in context. Because I'm like, okay, so we can go back to the past, but now we're here, and mo- more people are aware of this. And so from from my perspective, I go, thank God for those women who were fighting those battles to get us here, right? Now, here's the thing. Now we're here. And I think we're doing a disservice to those women who did show up and said, okay, I'm going to have to show up this way so that my sisters and my brothers later on can have a better society, right? So now I go, and I don't know when that turnaround was, but I think now women you know, and men both need to go, okay, we've seen how this plays out. And we've seen that, you know, men, what men have done and we've seen what, you know, and we've seen the strides that women are making. How do we continue that? How do we continue to um, with equality, not just for men and women, but for, for everybody? How do we continue that? And I think the next the next part of the discussion is balancing those energies within ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the pendulum swings. So I do think the pendulum, the part of the struggle is the pendulum is swinging with for women who are overly masculine. The pendulum started swinging with Hillary Clinton. That's why she was rejected. I think that if she had balanced her masculine and feminine, right, instead of going all masculine, now that may have been the thing that got her there, but it wasn't going to be the thing to get her there, right? The thing that was going to get her there to me would have been bringing in more of the feminine. And by the way, we saw, we see this with, you know, like someone like a Barack Obama who, you know, can cry and, and sh- express some of his nature and, and for, and, and, you know, largely and, and George Bush too, both of them were two leaders who sort of were balancing that uh, masculine and feminine nature. And I think women, I think that's where we should be heading. And that's where, you know, um, 
I think the next discussion needs to be because I think what happens is what's, what do we use? It's like, we're banging our heads against the wall. Men need to step up and start getting in touch with their feminine and their emotional side and not abandoning their masculine side by just being someone who's gushing and talking emotions and crying all the time. And women also need to go, okay, I need to be the one because my sisters got me here, you know, to Danny J's point, look at all the work they have done. They got us here and I don't want to undo their work by showing up like a toxically masculine man. I, instead, I want to start doing this, you know, and, and bringing this full circle. And if you look at leaders, right, the best leaders in the world, the ones who made all the difference, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, these people were balanced, masculine, feminine. When you watch the way they talk, it was a holistic, inclusive, integrative way of speaking. That's why, in my mind, these people changed the world. And anytime you don't have integrative, inclusive, holistic leaders, you're going to run into problems. And that's, and I do think, I do actually believe, you know, that women right now, if they stay true to their nature, are the best integrative, inclusive leaders. I would, I prefer a female leader in the world right now as a man, to be honest with you, but it needs Mm -hmm. to be a woman who's not, you know, overly masculine. It needs to be a woman who's balanced those energies. Yeah, I love I love that how you pointed out some of those leaders. And I think that it's almost in some ways the chicken or the egg and some women are sitting there like, well, I can't get into my feminine until the guys show up. And some of the guys are like, well, I'm not going to fix this until you until you women stop pointing fingers at us. And it turns into this like, I can't do it unless you do. But kind of what you're saying is that we all just need to focus on ourselves and deal with our own shit. And it's like the Michael Jackson song, The Man in the Mirror. And I think ultimately, and we talk about this in the podcast a lot, is like we got to clean up our own side of the street, work on ourselves, and then be that example. And ultimately, I think the more we have those examples, the more we can either become that in ourselves or see that like we don't have it, right? We had Hillary Clinton as the example. So it's like we have to be that example so that we can give the example for the future. I, I really have hope. I feel like I've seen a lot more of these conversations and I've seen a lot more men's work um, the last couple of years. It just feels frustrating that we're not quote there yet. But back to like all of our sisters that got us here. I mean, we're so much farther along in 2023 than 1973. So, you know, we're still moving along and I think we're in a good place. It's just, it sometimes gets so frustrating where we just want to be quote well, there already. Yeah. And also I will say, you know, the, the men's work, right. I feel like even just how do you like as a marketer, let's just go there, right. We talk about this a little bit on the podcast business stuff as a marketer, how do you even make these sort of I don't know, programs or courses or coaching or whatever that these men need access to. How do you speak their language so that you actually do attract them? You know, we said, we asked Emily that we're like, you know, how does someone even know that they need men's work? You know what I mean? And like, how are you reaching that person from like a marketing perspective? And maybe you can share about how you're planning on doing this in your own work so that you are attracting and making it um, not so intimidating, not so girly or not so, I don't know, whatever, however people perceive men's work who maybe need it. How do you even access them or how do you even bring them in? Well, the, the, yeah, the key rule of marketing, right. Is to basically give them what they think they want. And then once you get them in, you provide them what they need. So you speak, for example, here, here's, here's a way of doing it. You speak about, Hey, you can become a more powerful, more popular culture level thought. 
And then you introduce, right? This, to me, this is how marketing always works. You introduce what they want to hear and what they think. And then you go, but that means nothing without purpose. Mm. And purposeful men always do better than powerful men. And purposeful people are always more popular than popular people, right? So in other words, you, you turn around and go, purposeful men are more powerful than powerful men. Purposeful men are more popular than popular men. And so you're essentially speaking their language, but you're putting this little hook in there that essentially says, you're going about it all wrong. From my perspective, men in general, it, it makes me really sad because essentially, I don't know where I got this from. I think I got it from my father uh, and my mother. My mother loved the hell out of me. My dad loved the hell out of me. And my dad told me, Jay, do something you love. And, and, that to me was a message for him saying, don't play the culture level male game, mm -hmm. do something you love. So when I came home and said I was going into naturopathic medical school, he was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, he goes, well, I love you. Go, go get it. That's ultimately what men need and, and male friends and male programs need to go, bro, do what you want to do. Go paint the thing, go paint the sign, go work in the yard, go, go build, you know, go be a mechanic, go, you know, do whatever you want, go be a nurse, go like live your life, chase your life. And I think that ultimately that's how you market it. You go, you, you basically take people and you go, here's where you are and what you're doing. I see you. And here's where your struggle is. And what you haven't seen is this. And what men have not seen is that they're playing a game not designed for them. The culture level game of power and popularity is never going to get them what they want and they don't even know. So talk about the matrix. That's the matrix right there. You guys, it's, it's that you are stuck in believing you need to fancy car, lots of money, you know, make more money than your, your girlfriend, like all these things. When in your heart, you probably forgotten that what you really love is just being out in the woods or, you know, doing yard work or, or, or having a hammer and a saw in your hand or whatever it is writing books, you know, being a nurse, you know, whatever it is. And to me, it's the, it, by the way, that's the same thing with women. And so to me, I go, I look at all these male programs and I go, I think they're missing the point because they're trying to go, Hey, come on, man, you guys are struggling. Be more like women. And I go, <laughs> no, be more like you. Yeah. Be more like you. Don't be more like women. Be more like you. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten why you're on the planet. And I actually think it's the same for women. I'm like nodding my head off and I want to give like the, the amen arms up because I think you've nailed it. One, the marketing thing. Yeah. Like this relates so much to us in the fitness days. I remember doing this with like marketing. They wanted to go for weight loss, but what they really needed was some mindset and other stuff. Right. So you market them for what they want and then you give them what they need. So I think that is fucking brilliant. And I think you nailed it with the popularity and the power and then giving them purpose. I've worked with Kelly, who was on the podcast a few episodes ago, and I went to her just struggling with some relationship stuff. And a lot of the things she taught me about men and masculine is that they need to feel like they're winning, which you've just echoed. And in order for a man to win, he's got to feel like he has some purpose. And she's like, she said that a lot of men will do the things that us women want them to do if they are in their purpose. And she said masculine need to do good or need to do good in order to feel good, meaning they need to be doing something. They need to be making a difference. They need to be in their purpose. Women need to feel good in order to do good. So when we're like feeling like garbage, we're not out there making big waves and we're not out there um, creating our best content or showing up as our best selves. And so if we can, like I'm just saying this for women listening to the podcast, if we can, and I, I would love if you agree with this, Jade, but or not agree, you can share that. But if we can support our men in doing what they love, I think that they actually will come around and do the 
the quote work or the things that we're kind of hoping that they're going to do, but they're not going to be able to do that unless they feel really good about who they are. A hundred percent. To me, if you want to love your man, help him find what he truly loves again and let him go do that no matter what it looks like to your friends, to your family and everyone else. Let him go and do the work that he's meant to do on the planet. And if you allow him to do that, and this is the same for men with women, let them go do the work that they're meant to do on the planet. You know, when Jill and I were married, one of the first things, one of the things that I pride myself on when I first saw her, I was just like, this is just a badass woman. And it wasn't because I thought she was beautiful, which she is. It was because I saw her in the gym and I saw her power and I saw her owning her power. And I was just like, wow. And by owning her power, you know what that what I'm really saying there is owning her purpose. We say own your power, but that's not what we mean. What we mean is she was owning her purpose. And she was struggling at that time when I first met her because she was like, oh, I'm going to go. I, I think I'm going to have to go whatever you were going to do. PT what was it? Physical school. therapy <laughs> school, PT school. And I'm looking at her going, that's not your purpose, which means it's not your power. I've seen your power. I didn't even know you when I saw your power and your purpose. And your power and purpose was in that gym with people helping them do their thing. And of course, that's now for Jill moved into same thing. She's been a coach her whole life. She was probably born a damn coach as far as I'm concerned. Any man who keeps her from doing that or makes her feel bad how much money she's making or makes her or doesn't love her for the fact that she is a badass coach in her power and purpose, that man can't be with her. And by the way, same thing for women looking at their men. Yeah. I just how think do you, right how do on. like his feel? I mean, I totally agree with all of this. And I guess the question is, how do we start elevating this conversation? I mean, I know that's what you're doing with your work at Next Level Human and everything that you've been, you know, you, the book and all that stuff that you're writing. But like, this is a huge shift in our culture. Like, in order to like to raise the conversation around purpose, when you constantly have messages about women need to look younger, they need to look more beautiful, they have to have, you know, and then men need to make more money, they need to have the car, they need to have the trophy wife, like, it's everywhere. So how do we start elevating this? I mean, besides, obviously, the things that we're doing, but how can we on a larger level really understand? Because it feels almost like, I don't know, maybe a man, maybe for a man being like, oh, you don't need to have the cars and have the Rolex and have the thing. You can just you know, be a nurse or whatever. Like men are programmed. That's not enough for them, right? Like that's like culturally, right? Culturally, the programming is that's not enough. I need to do more. That's the same reason why I was going to go to PT school, right? Being a personal trainer isn't enough. Mm -hmm. The answer to this question is, uh, it's a very simple one. You guys will know it right away. And it's a difficult one because it starts with the individual. It, It goes back to the quote, stop arguing what a good human is, be one. And the best way to change uh, the world is to start with yourself and start showing up as the, the, this integrated version of you. I'm going to spend my time balancing my masculine and feminine. I'm going to reconnect with the part of me that is, knows that I'm here for a reason, that I can do something that no one else can do in the way that I can do it by nature, that I'm in, I am a unique human. And then by, by doing that, I inspire others. Like you two, right? You inspire. How many women have you inspired? And men too, but how many women have you inspired to be like, look, you are meant for more than what you think you are. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing on this podcast. And I think that's what ultimately we need to do with men in a subtle way. But the best way to do it is just show up 
and love yourself as, as best you can, which is incredibly difficult as a human. But to me, loving yourself means taking all the things that happen and, and, and most importantly, your suffering and realizing that all of that stuff, that pain, that suffering, those lessons are pointing you to where you need to be. And if you don't follow it, you are going to be mentally and emotionally dysfunctional, in my personal opinion. And you can do it either way. You can wait until you hit that midlife crisis or you can have a midlife awakening. Jill and I went through this together, right? We went through our midlife awakenings. Uh, it, it was my midlife awakening. Jill's always been a little bit more mature to me, but it happened faster for her. But we went through this together. We grew together in the dysfunction of our relationship, becoming better humans. And in that suffering that we both shared, we grew. Now, we easily could have gone in the other direction, but that suffering got us closer to our purpose for both of us. And to me, that's the conversation that we need to be having. Show up and be your best self. That means looking deeply at your traumas, your trials, your tribulations, fixing them, understanding your purpose and chase it. You know, we, we're going to be dead tomorrow. So we need to get to work. Yeah. I mean, I love what you said, loving yourself, which is a whole other conversation. Danny and I have been having a little bit on this podcast, this idea that again, in our culture, if you love yourself, you're seen as self-absorbed. You're seen as can see, I've gotten a, a little bit of this lately on social media. Uh, a couple, I've had a couple of like videos go viral and it's like, wow, you really think a lot of yourself or you're getting the attention you need. And so again, it comes back to a lot of this. And so when you say you need to love yourself, what does that look like? And I agree with you. Obviously that's something that we, we work really hard on, but what does it look like to love yourself? And, and how do you know if you don't? Well, it's harder for men to do, but you two do a great job at this. It's showing up messy. Like that's really what it is. It's basically, it's, it's being able to go. And, and by the way, I don't mean like you don't make messes so you can show up messy. It's just that life is messy. So you show up messy, you know, you, you show up and you share, you share your shit and you also just go, I'm okay with this. And you stick up for yourself mm. too. Right. So it's this back and forth where you're like, I'm a fucked up human and I'm fucking powerful. And you also go like this. I am useless and senseless and not special in any way. And I'm the most powerful motherfucker in the world. <laughs> and, and, and I hold both of those things. And you two do this all the time. And a lot of women do it way better than men. They show up with their messes. And to me, I'm like, okay, so think about this. So you're going to, we have this thing going around where people crying all over social media, which I love by the way. And that was accepted, but why not? Why isn't it accepted when you're just like, fuck yeah, I did it. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're, and you're celebrating yourself with a selfie and all, and you're just like, look what, look what I'm doing. I'm so proud of myself. Like, and I want to share it with the world. Like, I'm like, you know what, if you don't like that, go fuck yourself. Like to me, I'm like, <laughs> seriously, like if you, I want both. What I want is real humans. I want the ones who will cry when it's appropriate to cry. I want the ones who go, yeah, I'm a badass too. And celebrate yourselves. Listen, this shit is not fucking easy being on this planet. And the last thing you need to do is be comparing yourself to people on social media. And when you get things like that, I've always said this about you, Jill, you know that, you know, my quote on this charismatic, confident people will be threatening as fuck to insecure people. They will be inspiring to other, other people who want to elevate. And so to me, I go, you're always going to get that. You, you will always get that because you're, both of you are women that are in your power, which means by the, by that, you're going to get a lot of hate because the people who aren't in their power, and by the way, again, I'm saying power, but what I mean is purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, people who aren't in their purpose are going to see that as a slight against them because they're operating from power and popularity and they don't even know what purpose is. And it's sad. This might be a good seg, and I agree with you. Thank you for that. This might be a good seg to talk about your little thing on social media. We did actually talk about it on an episode 
what I feel like about a month ago or so. Which which one? <laughs> with do- <laughs> oh, is there more with uh, Doctor? Uh, what's his face? With Biolane. Oh, Biolane. Yeah, Biolane. We don't have to yeah. get into it if you don't want to. We did do an episode because oh, no. we were sort of talking about the trolling thing, and this I feel like this is right in line with the, like the power and popularity conversation. Um, you know, obviously this is in and, and, and the social toxic media masculinity and the social and the media. toxic masculinity part. Yeah. Here, here's what I'll say on that. To me, it's disappointing for, because I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll give Lane his, you know, to me, Lane is a, a super sharp guy. He's a powerful guy. He's a popular guy. To me, I go, he's not a guy, a man in his purpose, because if he was, he wouldn't actually be doing, he wouldn't feel the need um, to do that in a sense. So for me, I guess I'm at a point for me where I was like, um, it's, it's frustrating cause I have to answer it, but it's not new for me. And of course it was, um, it was, uh, more than most, uh, it hit me more than most situations cause he's a popular guy, right? So I'm not immune by the way, to feeling these things that all of us humans feel, but I was proud of myself. Cause I was like, dude, you know who you are. And, and, and here's the power of purpose, right? Because I know who I am, I got that hit, but I also was able to come back and be like, bro, like, honestly, you know, go fuck yourself in a, in a, in a really nice way. Cause I don't really want him to go. I, I see the, like, honestly, to me, he's fine. I'm sure if we ran into each other and here's what we need to remember about social media. If me and that dude ran into each other on the street, we would have a beer and a blast. I really believe that. Right. We, but it's just that, you know, you get caught up in the social media stuff and that's his, that's his shtick, right? To, to yeah. him, he's got to take on all the quacks in the world and I'm a quack, right? <laughs> which, and, and which for me, and here's purpose. Cause I go, yeah, dude, I'm a quack. I'm proud of that. I, I made a con, I made a conscious choice to be a quack if that's how you want to see me. So, so that's how I could show up that way in the way that I showed up, but I'm, I'm not mad at him to me. It's coming again. Like, you know, it's, it's gonna, it, it, the more I put my work out there and I think this is the more you are in your purpose, the more people who don't understand what purpose is and are chasing popularity and power, the more they're potentially going to hate you. And he's gonna, you know, he'll come to terms with that at some point we all do, or he won't. And, uh, his life will probably be just fine, but I don't want that life. Yeah. It was interesting. I feel like that was part of speaking of toxic masculinity, kind of that toxic masculinity behavior of just reaching out and and trying to push someone else down and get more power and, and more popularity. I think you handled it really well. And it's just interesting. I don't know if social media has made it better or worse for men. I feel like women for maybe the last 20 years, I guess, yeah, probably the last 20 years. First, it was about magazines and airbrushing and Photoshop, right? So there was this whole thing when we were growing up and in high school and how things weren't real. And then social media has taken it to another level. And I feel like we talk about how social media makes things so much worse for women and their body image and issues. But I don't know if it's making it worse for men also. Maybe it is because of the the showing the Lamborghinis and the prestige. I'm not, I don't yeah. know. What do you think yes. about that? It's horrible for men because I, I, it, it's horrible. If you guys want to know from my perspective why men are shooting up places and feeling lost, it's because they are deep in that comparison trap. Mm-hmm. It's not as loud as what happens for women, but it is louder on the inside of their psychology. They are struggling madly. Mm-hmm. And, and cause, cause here's the thing, right? People, you know, it's like, it's funny if you go look at, you know, people like Biolane or other people in, in our field and, and, and just leaders, they're always like, they brown nose the people who they think are up here and they attack the people who are down here. And women have done the same thing. But the people who are down here 
what you what they don't understand is they're not down there. The only reason they're down there is because they haven't they haven't owned what they love and they they aren't doing their purpose. You know, and that's the problem. So to me, I go, it's destroying, it's destroying men. And, you know, and and honestly, if you're in a relationship with a male who's on social media, trust me, there's a lot of behaviors that they will do to try to get like all that stuff that you women complain about dudes in your DMS, you know, all, even the extreme shit, dick pics and all that stuff. And, and then tearing people down and all that, all of that is just trying to get dopamine hits in some way. And if they can't get it, they're going to tear you down. Right. So they're, they're basically, they're going around to every single woman being like, who's going to respond, who's going to respond. It's got really nothing to do with you. It's just their internal mm. angst and their internal sense of, I don't matter. Please, someone look at me. Please, somebody see me. Tell me I matter. Tell me I'm safe. Tell me I'm secure. Tell me I'm accepted. Tell me I belong. And then we have all this dysfunctional um, behavior. And by the way, I get it. I know you two get it too, right? I don't feel safe and secure completely because I'm human. And I don't feel completely accepted like I belong because I'm human. But I will say this, what Danny J was saying, here's what I do love about this. And here's the upside of this. And this is where I get a little bit woo-woo and tell me what you two think about this. But I go... We humans, you know, the spiritual side of me goes, you know, we're all connected in a sense. We are extensions of one another. And we are all looking in this gigantic mirror right now. And we're seeing our best selves through others and our most destructive selves through others. And to me, so when I look at social media, I just go, Jay, this is your mirror. This is your mirror. Look at yourself. Take a good, hard look at yourself. What are you triggered by? What do you feel proud of? What are you drawn to? How are you showing up? And to me, I just go... Honestly, I don't know how long I'm going to be at this, on this planet, but I know these people are my brethren. These are my humans. These are my people. And they are just showing me a reflection of myself. And when I look at it like that, I go, that reflection points me to my purpose. You know, that, that reflection of me looking out there in the world points me to my purpose. And so when I'm my best self, I want to celebrate anybody putting up a selfie, anyone expressing themselves online. Cause I just go, hell yeah. Like why not? That's the beauty of social media. And when I'm at my worst, I get a little catty and a little triggered by it. But I just go, this is us looking in the, the mirror of humanity. And if we pay close attention, it's going to point us to what we need to know about ourselves. Then we fix that. And when we fix that, then we can show up as an experience and an example for the world, for anyone else who wants to escape this bullshit matrix popularity power trap. <laughs> well, what you're saying and everything you're describing is it's really self-awareness, right? Like at the end of the day, first step for self-awareness to even notice like that you're getting triggered by something. I would probably say most people are not. They're just responding to social media. They're just responding to what's there. And also they don't think they have a problem. You know, I think sometimes, and I'd be interested in your take on this and both of you guys, I think at least in my experience, you only really start looking at yourself when like a problem arises. And we sort of were talking about this with Emily, like why do these men, their 40s, 50s, you know, years old, finally reach out for help because something is happening and they don't have an answer. And that's when they start to get curious. But the average guy on social media is not, he's there looking at the aspects, sending the DMs, you know, whatever, not everyone, obviously, but like, they're not, they're just receiving. They're not thinking to themselves what you just described. And so again, how like the self-awareness piece, I feel like is the first thing, but does that feel, is that doable for men, especially, I mean, even women, sometimes women don't, you know, they would rather just blame and complain than they would actually look at themselves. So obviously this is a large conversation. Danny and I have this conversation all the time on this podcast. And the thing that you also mentioned 
was ownership. You didn't say it, but I know that's part of your system that you teach, but that really is it when you, when you, like you were saying, some people are down here, but they're only down there because they haven't fully owned their purpose, but they would be. And even the stuff with bio lane saying you're, you know, Jade's a quack and you were like, yeah, I am a fucking quack. There's so much power in that ownership. Why are we scared to own like you literally just said, yes, I'm a quack. Like, and, and for most people, they wouldn't own those those negative, quote unquote, perceived negative things about them. So, how do we sort of turn the ship around? Yeah, I, well, I think it, on, yeah, ownership is a really big uh, piece of it, right? Because it takes it takes it, courage, it, it takes confidence too to be like, yeah, I'm a fucking quack, you know. And Dan and, and I, talk, yeah, why, like we obviously we yeah. started this podcast because we went through infidelity, and we're like. Most people would not talk about this. Most people want to like squish this down, pretend it never happened, sweep it under the rug. It's embarrassing and all these kind of things. We were like, fuck it. Let's just be an example of people who have gone through infidelity and like came out the other side and like figured it out, you know? But that does take a level of courage and confidence that I feel like a lot of people don't have or can't access. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's everything, right? I mean, you and I, I think when we went through our stuff and, you know, I, I remember you and I having a discussion where it was like, we're going to just be, we're going to fix this. And we fixed it by honesty. Like we just like, we're going to be the most honest we've ever been uh, with each other. And that to me is the first step. And that is the self-awareness piece. And then the next piece is the purpose gives you power because, you know, to me, I go, I already made up my new, when I went to naturopathic medical school, I made that decision from my heart, not from a culture place, not from a popularity and power thing. And once I made that decision, at least I had the wherewithal then. And you both have known me long enough to know that, you know, you'd be like, oh, this makes sense for Jade. And I'm proud of this about myself. I think I got it from my father, but I I made a decision then. Jade, people are going to call you quack. People are going to call you this. People are going to call you that. That it wasn't. It was not popular then. Then it was like even my dad, who loves me and would support me in anything, was like, "You don't necessarily want to do this." But here's what's interesting. Uh, Keone might argue with this, but this is what my mom says. I made the decision to go. Then my brother Keone, who did not wasn't going to go, and was like, "I'm not going to go." He was like, "Oh shit, Jay's going. I'm going." And 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 then we did that together. So now we're quacks together. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, and to me, I go, bring it on. Like to me, I go, I don't play the game. And to me, this would be the, this is what I would say to any man. The reason you are struggling is because you are playing the culture level matrix power popularity mm-hmm. game. If you start playing the game that you were designed for, that you love and just be you. And, I, and I'll tell a story about this. I, I know we're dragging on, but let me just tell a story about my father, because my father decided very early on, he just was like, I want to be the best husband and the best father. And the way he did that is he said, I'm moving out of New York City because I'm drinking too much and my friends and all this stuff. He, he basically was, went to got this job at a bank and was like, I want to come in at six so I can be off at three. He was at every single one of me and my siblings practices from the time I could remember. He uh, he forego raises because of that. He took 90 minutes to be with my mom every lunch. So if Wachovia Bank is listening to this, Jim <laughs> Tita, my father, uh, you know, was breaking the rules for 30 years that he worked for you or whatever. And the thing is, is now guess what? My father is the most respected, the most uh, loved man I know. Everybody loves him. Yet he he used his whole retirement to send us to college. He you know he took in people people. He's incredibly generous. And that's the game he played. And he's got no big money, you know, no big money bank account, but he's got a huge generosity bank account. And everyone, you know, feels like he made a difference in their lives. And that dude, you know, he's going to be gone soon, which scares the hell out of me. Maybe I'll go before him, but 
You see, I'm getting choked up now. He's going to be gone soon. But that dude can die proud mm. because he played his game. And he also made me, allowed me to play my mm. game. And so play your own game, man. Play your own game. Stop playing the culture level game. It's, it's a bullshit game. You can't win that game. Now we're so now all three me. of us are crying. You got me. You got me crying. <laughs> uh, it's, it is good, and I, I just I think this conversation can be just maybe a small piece of the larger conversation that maybe needs to happen. So I do appreciate you reaching out after listening to that episode and uh, giving Danny and I an opportunity to pick your brain on this stuff because I know that this is a big piece of speaking of purpose this is a big piece of your purpose and like helping obviously people not just men but potentially men who need and and making it accessible for them you know Danny and I always not that we joke but sometimes we look around at like the men's workspace and we're just like there's no way that these people are going to like men, other men don't want to work with these guys. You know, it's just like the, 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 the energy is more like a female energy, you know? And so then we go like, okay, is this just, is everyone fucked or is there a place that we can go? And so even just being able to have this conversation and understand both sides, I think makes a big difference. So I really appreciate this conversation. You guys want to add and anything I will say just I just want to say one more thing about Jordan Peterson and, and is a good thing because you asked where, where can people start? The one thing that Jordan Peterson does say, he says, pick up your room, clean up your room, start somewhere, anywhere doing what, you know, so he does point to purpose. And I think anybody, and the reason I bring that up, because I think any man who's reading this stuff, there's going to be good and bad. There's going to be good and bad for me. There's going to be good and bad from anyone, but just listen for the messages of purpose. And I think you are going to be way better off. I don't know if you have anything. Fun That's you no, know, I like that. But you know, Danny and I have been talking about this guy, Chris Williamson, who's this big podcasting guy. And he's had a, he had Jordan Peterson on his podcast, whatever. And he kind of talks a lot about, um, what does he call it, Danny? Like the numbing of young men or what was he calling it? It was kind of calling it something where earlier in the, sh- yeah. earlier in this episode, Jade, you said that men need to feel uh, like they're winning. They need to have a sense of purpose or that they like, even just competition. He was saying what's happening with a lot of these men. It's like, I don't know, something like, you know, a third of men, 18 to 30 aren't having, haven't had sex in the last year or something like that. And he was basically saying that they're getting their needs met, this younger generation, getting their needs met from video games and porn because the video games is helping them feel like they're accomplishing something, right? Like it's giving them the sense of like, I'm, I'm competing, I'm accomplishing, I'm working towards something. And then obviously the porn is giving them the, the sort of sexual satisfaction and they're like not quote unquote, even dating really. Yeah. Well, here's what I would say to that. That's wrong because it's, there's, to me, there's four need, there's four, there's four things you can, you can chase. You can chase power, you can chase popularity, you can chase pleasure, which we haven't talked about, and you can chase purpose. And if you don't have purpose, you're going to chase power, popularity, or pleasure. And all these kids are doing is they're not, they don't feel powerful enough and they don't feel popular enough, so they're drowning themselves in pleasure. And this is the other aspect of the culture level game. So again, purpose solves Mm -hmm. this problem. So I don't think they're getting their needs met at all in the same way. I don't think a power hungry dude is going to get his needs met or a popularity hungry dude is going to get his needs met. A pleasure seeking dude is not going to get his needs met. Purpose is the only way and it's true for men and it's true for women. I agree with you. If they were getting their needs met, they wouldn't be shooting people up. They wouldn't be sexually assaulting women. They wouldn't be like doing all of the things that are not okay. Speaking of, speaking <laughs> of illegal. purpose, I don't know if you know this, uh, Jade, but Danny was in, um, she was, what was it like? It wasn't like a mental institution, like in high school. Was it like, it was like a, an in-person yeah, uh, inpatient? Uh, inpatient behavioral health center, which 
for like 30 days, right? Or something like it was, yeah. I mean, so she was actually suicidal and her counselor at that facility gave her men's search for meaning and it completely changed her life. And I know you've read it several times too. And that was the thing that like sort of pulled her out of like her dark, that and obviously having Courtney as well, but yeah. It gives me goosebumps because let me tell if I can just love on you for a minute, Danny J. And this is incredibly to me, you are one of the most purposeful people I've ever met. And and here's here's what I mean by this. And anyone who knows Danny J. So I'm sure Danny J, she's a human. So she's probably had all kinds like the, le- the rest of us. Like, am I doing well enough popular wise? Am I doing well enough, you know, in my power? Am I making enough money? Am I, you know, all these things. But if you look at everything she's done, right? Like we've been following you since Sweaty Betty's. I've known you. Everything you have done has been authentic. It has been in your uh, purpose and your power. And, and you've showed up in the world in a way that has always inspired me. I think it inspired, you know, uh, Jill, obviously. And, and, and that's what I think. Uh, and here's why I brought that up. It gave me goosebumps because I'm like, here's somebody that at a very early age went through a, a deep night of the soul and got self-aware and kind of started feeling like I need to do something different, break patterns and everything else. And that's what you are. You're a pattern breaker and you're a pattern breaker because you chase purpose and you do it in a way that, uh, and I just want to, I just want to drive this home. Cause I think it's an important point. You're the person that shows up in a line at Starbucks or at a coffee, sh- any other coffee shop or anywhere you go and you make people laugh and you smile and you connect and you bring positive experiences and you generate just this experience. Danny J is an experience. <laughs> you know, we, Ro- Roxy, uh, Roxy taught me this and you guys, I think you had her on your mm-hmm. show too, Black Belt Beauty. She taught me this, that we're all an experience for the world. Danny J's experience inspires you to be a better human. That's her purpose. Like she literally inspires you to be a better fucking human. How, how, uh, and you too, Jill, right? Like, think about it. Jill and I are still the best of friends because Jill took care of me in her darkest time when I was being a complete ass. Right. And, and, and Danny J is the same way. These people are incredibly forgiving, incredibly powerful. And that's because they're in their purpose. And to me, I just, I think you're an epitome of this, Ashley, Danny J. And to me, I go, it came from your struggles. And that's the other reason why I think if you're sitting here listening to this conversation and you're, you're listening to the three of us talk and you're like, how do I even do this? It starts with looking at your suffering, Mm -hmm. looking at what you struggled Mm -hmm. with, because that's how you can help the world. I think, you know, Danny J's empathy, which I think you're incredibly one of the most compassionate, empathetic people I have ever met in my life that probably came from those early struggles and you owned it, you became aware of it. And then you said, I'm not going to use my hurt to hurt people. I'm going to use my hurt to help people. Mm. And that's purpose. Purpose is using your hurt to help people. Mm. Evil is using your hurt to hurt people. Mm. Damn. Thank you, Jade, for those words of affirmation. (laughs) Just ask all the broken hurt she's left behind. We know how powerful she is. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this is both. a good one. Thanks so much for just initiating this conversation. I think we're just like, yeah, we need to have this this conversation publicly, and uh, maybe we'll do a part two. But interested in if you're listening to this and you have any feedback or have any you know questions or want to weigh in, definitely hit us up in the DMs at uh, the Best Life Podcast, um, and we'll make sure that we get this uploaded to both uh, podcasts so we can reach as many people as possible. But do you guys have anything else that you want to add? 
We got to follow Jade. What's your what's your Instagram handle so people can follow and tag you? Oh yeah, let's all give our Insta. I'm at Jade uh, Tita, JadeTita.com, uh, Next Level Human Podcast. Yeah, and then uh, at Jill Fit, and then at the Best Life. And I'm at Danny J D A N N Y like a boy J dot com D O T C O M. That's it. Love you guys so much. Hang on the line just so we can make sure this uploads. I'm gonna go ahead and stop now. Thanks so much for hanging out, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.